Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we are live. We're going to let our stream breathe just for a second here. Make sure it's nice and stable. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, returning from a day off of podcasting, my partner in crime. You know him, you love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, did you enjoy your day away from our awesome listeners? Did you get a chance for some R&R? How you doing, bro? I'm doing pretty well. You know, I woke up to the Cowboys, you know, the Broncos signing a former Cowboys. So that was interesting. It's kind of like my universe is colliding. But, you know, genuinely, I do miss talking. I do miss talking Broncos, Chad. I miss connecting with you. I miss connecting with our listeners. I'm always happy when it's Wednesday after our day off or, you know, Sunday after Saturday and Friday to get back on here and talk Broncos football. Indeed. You start, we start getting the itch. We need right. to get back on and, and talk some shop. But yeah, today we want to, um, you know, as we kind of march – beyond the draft and start looking at how this roster is going to shape up. We had a little bit of news that dropped in between, and that's always the way it rolls for us, right? right. We take a day off news day, um, which is ironic because we're kind of the news of the three podcasts at MHH. We're the one that mostly deals with the news, right? But we're going to get to that. The Broncos signed not an offensive tackle, not a veteran cornerback, a defensive lineman. We're going to get to that here in just a second. And what better person to ask about this defensive lineman than Zach, who covered him last year uh, as uh, a Dallas Cowboy. So we're going to get to that here in just one second. 
First, though, guys, just a couple of really quick matters of business. Make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. That's how you keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And while you're at it, make sure you're also following the main account at Mile High Huddle. So many of you have done both, and we really appreciate it. But especially if you want to stay on top of everything, you got to follow the at Huddle Up Pod. And if you're a Super Chat superstar, it's especially crucial because we want to be able to connect your YouTube account with your Twitter account. So take care of that business when you get some time. And then a gentle reminder, go to huddleuppod.com if it's feasible for you, if you're in a position to do so. And uh, get yourself a hat. Get yourself a hoodie. I just ordered a hoodie. It just arrived, in fact, yesterday. I'll show you guys. MHH. State of being. Oh, this way. The state of being hoodie. Got myself one. Really stoked. And uh, there's the mug. There's tees. There's tank tops. There's masks. I got a mask on the way, too. So all kinds of goodies for hardcore Broncos fans and the MHH community. So when you get some time, check that out. And no matter what you do, make sure you like this video before you X out, whether you're only going to watch 15 minutes of this stream or the entire thing, or you might even be watching after the fact. It might not even be live by the time you're hearing these words. Make sure you like the video. You guys have no idea how much that helps our show. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Ram Power Days is going on now with our most powerful lineup of trucks ever. Hurry in and don't just feel the power, own it. And right now, get 0% APR financing plus $3,000 total bonus cash allowance on 2022 Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cab models equipped with a gas-powered V6 engine. Don't miss this great offer. Visit Ram.com to find your local Ram dealer today. Financing for all qualified buyers through Chrysler Capital. Not all buyers will qualify. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery by 1031-22. All right, Zach. So in an effort to get in front of this stream jumping some of our superstars. Let me just grab one or two of these and then we'll dive into the main crux of today's pod. Bronx legend, so consistent. I think it's safe to say has become a bona fide superstar. Yeah. We really appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. He says, not sure how I feel about this new defensive line pickup. When was his most productive year in the league? We're going to get to that Bronx. In fact, we'll, uh, we'll tackle it right now. In fact, let me, uh, Actually, hold on one second here. The stream is just being weird. Bear with me one second. There was one I wanted to grab here. Man. All right. Um, His most productive year, let's pull it up right now. I think it was uh, 2018 in terms of sacks. Um, Here's what you got. 
Last year with the Dallas Cowboys, his one year in Dallas. So first and foremost, the Denver Broncos signed Christian Covington. I guess we're, we're, I was putting the cart before the horse. <laughs> He's a sixth-year player, all right? Former, uh, I think he was a sixth-round pick, if I'm not mistaken, of the Houston Texans back in 2015. Played out his rookie deal in Houston and then signed a one-year deal last season with the Dallas Cowboys where he went on to appear in all 16 games, tallied uh, one single sack, one solitary sack. So before we get to uh, Bronx's question and answer that in earnest, Zach, Give us your gut reaction to the move and just kind of a diagnosis of what the Broncos are getting in this cap. This is not going to be a championship make or break move, Chad. This is just for depth purposes, and it seems like every single year the Broncos like making a late offseason move along their defensive line. They did it last year with Zach Kerr. They did it a couple years ago originally with Zach Kerr. Um, I like what Covington brings to the table. He's not Jarrell Casey. He's not Derek Wolf, but he doesn't have to be. He's a nice little insurance piece. He can stop the run. He can push the pocket. Uh, he's amassed, I think, uh, 19 quarterback hits, eight and a half sacks over his career. I mean, he's not nothing. I like this move a lot, and it sends a message, Chad, which I like the most, to Demarcus Walker, to Draymond Jones, to Kyle Pecco along the defensive line. Your jobs are in danger if you don't step up. We have a guy here, low-risk, high-reward, who can come in and replace you. So I do like this move, Chad. It's solid. The thing that I keep coming back to is if you felt like you still needed to make additions, it just seems like you're missing the forest for the trees a little bit in terms of offensive tackle, especially, and cornerback. Now, if you listen to what Vic Fangio said after the draft as it relates to uh, the cornerback position, let me just read this quote from Fangio real quick. He was asked specifically, how are you feeling about the depth at corner? He said, quote, I feel good. Obviously, we added A.J. Bouye. We took the Iowa corner, Michael Ojemudia. We have a bunch of young players that we acquired last year, like Duke Dawson and Devontae Harris. Those guys all need to develop. They're at the stage where they need to prove whether they're worthy or not to play in the NFL, and I think two of those guys will come through. We have Bryce Callahan coming off the IR list, so we'll have a good group to play with, close quote. Zach, undoubtedly, they'll have a pretty deep collection of young guys with potential, in spades. What they're missing, though, is proven production at corner. So I wonder why, you know, defensive line, they have some bodies there. It was a curious move. It was. Uh, like I said, it seems like in the John Elway era, they have this trend of adding defensive linemen. But th- this is the thing. He signs at such a low contract, Chad. If he doesn't work out, you cut him with no financial ramification. If he does work out, you have a potential contributor in a Vic Fangio system. I would have preferred they sign Jason Peters or Prince of Mukamara, but, you know, this is the way Vic Fangio operates. He targets one side of the ball in one area, and he kind of tries to hammer that home, and Elway seems to trust him. We'll have to see how that one transaction turns out, though, and if it's not the, the first, you know, or not the last to come, I mean. Yeah, I'm looking at the press release here that the Broncos sent us. Uh, six-year player from Rice University. He's appeared in 66 career regular season games with 15 career starts. He's appeared in four playoff games in his first five NFL seasons. His career totals include 93 tackles, eight and a half sacks, two passes defense, one forced fumble. And then size-wise, he's six foot two, 300 pounds. So he's a depth option, but when you look at what the Broncos have up front, I mean, I, I think it's safe to say the projected starting trio would be Jarrell Casey, Mike Purcell, Shelby Harris, and they have a pretty serious rotation now of young guys, including the third rounder, McTelvin Ajim, Draymond Jones, third rounder from last year, Demarcus Walker, second rounder from four years ago. So, And now you, of course, put Covington in there. They, they've released four guys. We can also talk about that here in a few minutes. But, Zach, 
I'm not worried about the D-line anymore. It was a concern before free agency when Derek Wolf departed. And of course, we, we knew that Adam Gotsis wasn't going to be brought back. I'm not really worried about that. I'm still curious to see how things shake out with the cornerback, offensive tackle depth. But I'm kind of inclined to agree with Fangio. At a certain point, these young guys in the cornerback room, they have to, you know what, or get off the pot. For a lot of people on that defense, Demarcus Walker included, and from the sounds of things, from drafting Ajim and signing Covington and reinvesting in Shelby Harris as little as they did, they looking for a reason, I think, to cut Demarcus Walker. I mean, Fangio has no loyalty to him. He's from a previous regime. He was a second-round pick who hasn't really worked out. I wouldn't be surprised if this is the message to Demarcus Walker, like, we're going to cut you this summer if you don't step up. We have guys on the roster who can replace you. I'm still a Walker fan. I still have hope, but he has to really perform. This is his last shot, I think, now especially, Chad. Chris McKay jumping in with a $5 super. Thank you, Thank Chris. You, Chris. If you are on Twitter, Chris, make sure you reach out to us and let us know who you are so we can connect you and give you some love and a shout-out after this episode. He says, what up, guys? What's your Drew Locke passing touchdown prediction? So for 2020 – Let's do let me do a quick uh exercise in arithmetic really fast. Bear with me one second, guys. So Drew Locke, what did he finish with? Seven touchdown passes in his five starts, if I'm not mistaken, right? So if we go seven divided by five, that's 1.4 per game and extrapolate that over 16. That's 22.4 based on the Rich Scangarello offense. All right. That's solid, right? You can you can make some hay with that. Now you inject not only the speed that the Broncos brought to the table in this draft, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler, Albert O., but also Pat Shermer's offense, which prioritizes the, the chunk play and the deep shot and the vertical aspect of, of spacing. And it's going to be really interesting to see how it all comes together. We talked about this before the draft, and I, my answer was somewhere similar to Jay Cutler's 2008 campaign in which he made the Pro Bowl for the Broncos, somewhere like 24 to 26 touchdowns. My answer remains the same as kind of, and I, I still think that would be a really impressive second year, but it could end up being gangbusters. Also an improved offensive line, Chad. That's the biggest yes. factor here. If they can keep him upright, I don't see why, good or bad, win or loss, he can't put 28 touchdowns on the board. And that's not that much per game when you extrapolate it. That's less than two per game over a 16-game season. In this offense, with the weapon he has, with the mentality that he has, with the arm that he has, I'm setting the over-under at 28. He can go up to 35. He can really have a giant year win or lose, if they're winning games or losing games, it's just the mentality he likes to bring to the table, get rid of the ball, launch it downfield. I see 28 being the barometer, Chad. One of our core superstars, George, jumping in from the very, very top rope. You know, we love you. We appreciate you, George. Thank you, George. $20 super. That means the world to us, and you know that. Christy reporting. She got her MHH mug today. Awesome. Us. Let us know. How it looks. Let us know from yes. a quality control perspective. Is it is it look nice and sharp? We'd be curious to know. I I know mine's still on the road to me. Yeah. Like, I don't know about you if you've received yours. Mine yet. will be here in a few days. I'm excited to see how the final yes. product turned out. All right. Let me see here. Bear once with me one second. And there it went. All right. I hate it when it does that. I gotta find a new system for this that doesn't bog us down. Goodness gracious, Stu. Wow, Stu. Mount Rushmore. His face is etched in the MHH, Mount Rushmore. You know we love you. We appreciate you. Very generous, super, Stu. Humbly. Thank you. Thank you so much, my friend. He says, the Broncos' defense, is it going to be top 10 this year? I think it has a chance. It really does. But there still are a lot of questions that remain unanswered at this stage and so many new faces. I mean, think about 
when 2019 ended, Chris Harris Jr., uh, Devontae Bosby was on IR, Callahan on IR. You were seeing Devontae Harris, Isaac Yadam, Duke Dawson. Ugh. This is going to be completely remade in terms of the starting trio. I say trio, but the top three corners, right? In A.J. Bouye, Callahan, Fangio still bullish on Callahan being good to go this year. We'll see. Uh, and then probably Bosby. But again, I maintain the Michael Ojemudia pick in round three, pick 77 overall. He's a sleeper for me. He's a guy that I think I wouldn't be surprised if he storms into training camp whenever that ends up happening. John Elway, by the way, maintains that he still thinks it's going to be in July. We'll see. I wouldn't be surprised to see him leapfrog a few guys who've at least been in Denver a little bit longer than him, like the Yadams of the world and the Dawsons and the Harris. We'll break it down. What's the Broncos' biggest, weakest link on, on defense? All three phases. Defensive line, I think they're pretty good there. Linebackers, they're pretty good on the outside, Chad. They're pretty good with A.J. Johnson. Their cornerback, the secondary, they're, they have two great safeties. They have starting caliber corners. They have pretty decent depth there. Todd Davis, though, I mean, he's the weakest link, but if they, they use a, a, a draft pick on Justin Strenad, if he can beat out Davis for the starting job, he offers the athleticism needed to cover tight ends. They don't really have a weakness in that case. So top 10 defense should be expected. Top 10 offense, that would be a goal. But top 10 on defense in the Vic Fangio system, Chad, when they were trending in that direction last year and they have so many pieces coming back, including Bradley Chubb, I think it's the expectation, not the hope. I agree. I agree. I mean, this could be a very formidable defense if all of the dominoes fall the way the Broncos hope that they will on paper sitting here at the end of April. So we'll see. We'll see. But I think uh, it would be an upset if they don't at least finish somewhere in the top 10. But, I mean, what was it? 2017, they were one of – well, no. Yeah, it was 2017. They were one of two teams to finish in the top five against both the run and the pass. The only other team that year were the Minnesota Vikings, who everyone can remember, got all the way to the NFC Championship game with Case Keenum, the Minnesota Miracle, et cetera, et cetera. Broncos didn't even make the playoffs. That's how bad the offense was that year. Was, I mean, the, the defense carried them. And that's why you've seen John Elway's mighty change of heart over the last two drafts especially. I mean, what was it? In 2019, it was Fant, Reisner, Locke were the first three picks. This year it was Judy, Hamler. Throwing Ojemudia, but still the first two this year offense. So Elway recognizes that the defense can't be expected to carry this team anymore. It's time for the offense to to rise. And I think if they do that, I mean, if you get a Zach, if you get a let's say fringe, even just within the top ten defense, like a top nine, top eight defense for the Denver Broncos and a Drew Lock offense with Pat Shermer that is even in the top fifteen. Right. I think that's a playoff formula. Yeah, I mean, one hand washes the other. The offense doesn't have to be world caliber, but if they're just average, if they don't go three and out, they don't constantly put the defense on the field or in precarious situations, there's no reason why the defense shouldn't be top 10. If they can reach those categories and those milestones under Vance Joseph, who's to say they can't do it under Vic Fangio? It's the expectation. It's not the goal. Well said. Let's grab Tracy here, jumping in with a $10 super. Thank Thank you, you, Tracy. And by the way, Tracy, if you are on Twitter, make sure you reach out to us. Let us know who you are so we can follow back and show you some love. Appreciate that super chat. He says, uh, love you guys and all that you do. Thank you. We love you too. Why do the media keep trying to pimp these Bammer quarterbacks on us? Oh, wait. No idea. (laughs) Maybe clarify on uh, Alabama. Well, I'm trying to think like, 
gamer and in the news gamer were quarterbacks i don't know you, you had that whole aaron Rodgers thing that uh is it a Chris, boomer it Chris kraus that from heavy that had on published on monday but that was just pure speculation there's no there there i'm not sure exactly tracy but if you comment again yeah. more specifically uh we're happy to absolutely answer that question with gusto my friend and in the meantime we'll grab yesa and yesa <laughs> like the name that's a cool handle um <laughs> make sure you reach out on twitter let us know who you are we'll connect appreciate that 20 dollars super chat yeah, my friend you. from hawaii says, yes sir excited as you know what aloha broncos country maybe another one of our awesome uh, superstars from across the pacific there joining dale and a few of our other guys out there in hawaii i don't know maybe appreciate that support my friend yes thank you um Let's see what else we got here. Let me take a swing at the last question, though, Chad, regardless yeah. why the media keeps doing this and tying the Broncos to Aaron Rodgers and all these quarterbacks, because they don't know what they're talking about. They don't follow the Broncos like we all do, like Chad and I do, like you guys do. They don't know what they're – they take a cursory look over the stats, over the roster. They try to make a connection. They have Drew Locke, the Broncos. We all know it. The Broncos know it. I think that's all that matters. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Oh, man. That that reminds me, dude. I got to get this off my chest. So, you know, it's it really, you know, we are Sports Illustrated, okay? We're the team site for the Denver Broncos for Sports Illustrated. And it just seems like every time I've had to reference a national SI story of any kind lately, it is – Negative as it relates to the Denver Broncos. So understand that it breaks my heart. I mean, look what I'm wearing right here. Okay. <laughs> it breaks my heart to have to criticize anything that comes from SI, but this is the world of sports talk. You know, we're going to have disagreements. 
one thing that came across my orbit today was SI released their first post-draft power rankings for the NFL. And the way they did it is they took all the major NFL analysts back at the corporate office in New York City, and they did a poll. So everyone ranked their teams, and then they you know, averaged it out, and here's the power rankings, right? Let me read this to you. The Broncos, and first off, I want to remind everybody, following the Super Bowl, the Broncos in their power rankings, the same poll, 22. They were ranked 22. That's with still Drew Locke's 4-1 and one finish relatively fresh on people's minds, all right? They're now ranking them 24th. So they actually lost two spots. But here's where it really gets bizarre, Zach. It says here that SI's draft grade for the Broncos in 2020 was an A. So you go with basically as good as it gets of a draft uh, class and as good as it gets of a draft grade, and the Broncos drop two spots in the rankings. This is exactly what Zach is talking about, that it's a national perspective that is not really following what's, what's happening on the ground here like we are. And so they're missing the forest for the trees. They take a cursory look at, oh, you know, here's a here's a Terrell Casey, here's AJ Bouye, okay, here's the uh, free agent additions, and here's the draft. Okay, go ahead and, and tender a ranking. But even still, Zach, it doesn't add up to just logic. How can you right. have an A class, an A grade on your draft class, and you drop that team two spots in the rankings? It doesn't. I j- it just doesn't make sense. What epitomized that was one of the, the ridiculous mock drafts that came out a couple weeks ago that had the Broncos taking Espineza in the first round. They the, they saw the Broncos roster, saw they have Bradley Chubb, saw they had Von Miller, and say, oh, this team likes edge rushers. Let's just mock another one to them. The national media has no idea what they're talking about. And and Chad's anecdote there it, it proves that point entirely. But this is what we want. We want the Broncos to be disrespected. We want the Broncos to be counted out. We want the Broncos, as Chrissy says in the comments here, they always get the shafts. And it's true. That's just what the national media does that's the perception they have and until they're relevant again it's going to be like this look at adam rank last year two and 14 that's a ridiculous prediction you wouldn't even make about the dolphins but for the broncos it was the norm last year but they'll come around soon they'll all see amen to that let's grab a superstar here edward definitely been with us a long time rocking the merch in the profile pick a bona fide member of this community and uh Mount Rushmore member. You know, we appreciate you, Ed, and hope everything's going well. Hope your birthday was awesome. I think it was last week. We were just helping you to at least doing our part, what we could, modestly speaking, to help you celebrate your birthday. Draft. Elway nailed it. What do you guys think? Sorry, I've been busy. Have not been on. Great work, guys. Can't wait for the season. Um, Zach gave it a B plus. I gave the class a B minus. And uh, so it was good. We, we thought they did a good job. A couple of points where we would maybe disagree. Maybe they make a different decision here or there. But overall, we really liked what the Broncos did and feel like the Broncos took a quantum leap forward in terms of improvement. <laughs> Anyway, based on some of the feedback, Chad, do you think we would have gave him Fs, F minuses for this draft class? I mean, we liked it. We just kind of disagree with some of the the scenarios they took the players in. But it was a really good class. The Broncos definitely got better. Nick. Now, Nick, I'm curious. Are you Pickle Nick on Twitter, right? I'm pretty sure it's the same cat. Just confirm for me so I can be sure. Appreciate that super, Thank you, my Nick. friend. He says, long-time listener, first-time donating to a great cause for all of Broncos country. I've liked what I've seen from Locke with an eye test, but is that enough? Yeah, I mean, the eye test – well, first off, like we've said before, Nick, 
It's a five-game sample size, and on one hand, we can understand why some, especially national analysts, they don't want to get too far out over their skis in, you know, anointing the Broncos the next great team in the in the NFL. We understand that, but the flip side of that coin is those very same analysts move forward with their their analysis on the Broncos in 2020 as if we learned absolutely nothing from Drew Locke in that five-game sample size. Now, can you make long-term overarching declarations and guarantees about Drew Locke based on those five games? No, you can't. But Zach, we learned a hell of a lot about Drew Locke. We saw him take massive leaps from the player he was in that third preseason game when he sprained his thumb to the player he was when he stepped on the field against the LA Chargers in week 13 and then beyond. We learned a lot about him and what we did learn has got us excited. I mean, you got to keep in mind here, Nick, John Elway, a, a, a second-year player, and as, as Zach likes to remind us, a first-year starter, Okay, going into his first year as, as the starter, unquestioned guy. John Elway's calling him during the draft, getting his approval on this guy. What do you think of this guy? What's your recommendation? I mean, I understand that the Albert O pick was unique and that they had past history together, but it's been made clear to me that that wasn't the only time Locke influenced a decision in this past draft. That tells you everything you need to know about how the Broncos really feel about Drew Locke. And for now, Nick, that's what I'd hang my hat on. The eye test is one tool, but there's no end-all be-all. You cannot judge a player or a quarterback or anyone in the NFL based off of one tool. But if you have a set of working eyeballs, if you have a functioning brainstem, you saw Drew Locke over five games last year show himself to be hopeful. He can be a potential franchise quarterback. He earned the right over those five games, and that's pretty indisputable to say he gets to be the starter for 2020. Just like Chad said, it's the point I was going to make. If Elway's going to that extent, if he's bending over backwards to placate a guy who, for the most part, hasn't proved anything in the NFL as a quarterback, considering the misses under center and the Elway error, it's a big deal. And Drew Locke deserves to be the guy based on what he showed last year. It doesn't entitle him to immunity for a decade, but for 2020, he deserves to be the guy based on what he showed and based on what we all saw over those five games. Well said. Brian jumping in with a $2 super. Appreciate that, Brian. Every little bit makes a difference. That means a lot to us, my friend. Make sure that you reach out if you're on Twitter and, and connect. Let us know who you are. And the same to you, Christian. If you're on Twitter, let us know. Reach out. And uh, a lot of times you'll guys will reach out, superstars will reach out and they'll have already been following either me or Zach or huddle up pod. And we didn't realize it, but now we know, and we follow back, we connect the whole nine yards. So make sure you do that, Christian, if you're on, just shout out, wave your head. Let me know who you are. Appreciate that. Super. He says, can't wait to see the Broncos in the Super Bowl again soon. Hey man. Like, especially, for fans who have been just absolutely deprived of positivity for the last four years. And it's really, it's really fun to ride this wave. Now what we need is for all of the outside circumstances that have been influencing our society over the last six weeks, <laughs> to continue to resolve in a positive way yes. so we can get back to the product on the field as soon as possible. Absolutely, Chad. I'm not going to say the Broncos are going to be a championship team in 2020, but I will say if Locke develops as Denver expects him to, the Broncos will be in the Super Bowl in the next five years. That's not so much a a hot take or a bowl take. That's what having a franchise quarterback under center does. That's what having a defensive genius does as a head coach and all the additions they have together. If If these ingredients can marinate, the recipe should result in a Super Bowl appearance the next half decade. Christy jumping from the top rope. <laughs> the MHH, queen. 
There you go. There you go from Mount Rushmore. We really appreciate that, Christy. Thank you, Christy. You know, you don't have to do it. Your support is everything to us, and and uh, it just blows us away every time how much we are. We're just grateful and thankful to have each and every one of you, but our superstars in particular, man, as far as the podcast goes, keeping the lights on, we really appreciate it. Single-handedly. Yeah. And before we address that, Zach, she's also letting us know here that the image on the mug, everything looks good. She's going to post a, a picture nice. on Twitter. So we will absolutely retweet that. But to her point, Zach, that some more depth is needed. Do you see, I concur. I'm, I'm still, listen, on one hand, I agree with Fangio that guys need to step up, these young guys, right? It's, it, a lot's been put on their plate, but at the same time, it's the NFL. You got you to gotta step up to the plate. But also, A.J. Bouye, I mean, I don't even know how well you can say that Bryce Callahan has proven. Maybe that sounds like a hot take, but, you know, he had one really good year, right? Then he hits free agency. But even that one really good year with the Bears, he missed the final three games because of that foot, and then he misses all of last year. Bouye, in, in other words, my opinion is Bouye is the only proven commodity the Broncos have at corner. So if yep. if they were to make an addition, my opinion, Zach, is it's probably not – they're going to wait to see how the competition shakes out and resolves a little bit in training camp, probably, before they make any yeah. other addition. I, I would thought maybe after the NFL uh, compensation deadline passed, they'd be you know wanting to make a move, but that wouldn't have affected a Mukamara anyway, considering he was cut, he wasn't a free agent. But you know Darby's out there, or a Logan Ryan's out there, uh, Mukamara's out there. There's some cornerbacks on the market. I would like one more veteran because I don't want to rely. I like Bosby. He's a little unproven, like Chad said. Callahan, he's a, a figurative person until proven otherwise. Uh, you know, uh, the third, the cornerback they drafted, Amuja. Uh, I can't even, what's his name, Chad? How do you pronounce o- his name? Ojamudia. Ojamudia. Okay, I always mispronounce it. He's definitely unproven. He's raw. Yadam's unproven. They need one more veteran guy. And who better than Amukamara, who thrived like Callahan under Vic Fangio? And for what it's worth, Fangio pronounced it Ojamudia. So... This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. 
Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Well, I don't know. Even Some of these me. names this year were are really hard to uh, to get down. I still haven't really tried to master Albert O's last name. <laughs> we had a pronunciation even, guide. Well, the Broncos actually provided one in their press release. Um, here's how you pronounce it, but it's still it's it's tough, man. Like if I were making a video, I would get it down. But in a live setting, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to wait till I get that a little bit more confident rolling off the tongue <laughs> yeah. before I start trying to say anything other than Albert O. Brett jumping in with a $10 super. Thank, Thank you, Brett. Brett. And make sure, Brett, that uh, you reach out on Twitter so we can connect. Hello, gentlemen. Who do you think will cover Tyreek Hill and Henry Ruggs? That is an excellent question. You know, I don't know yet. I don't know how they're going to handle those speed guys other than to bracket them with yep. a safety over the top. You know, I don't think there's one corner necessarily on this roster that can Cover them. I mean, the name of the game for both those guys, if you're the Denver Broncos or any team going up against that speed, is you need to press. You need to press them and make them prove that they can win off the line of scrimmage. Buy yourself time for the rush to get there. Buy yourself time for the coverage to take shape. I think in the initial phases, Zach, until a bona fide stutter to rises up from in this cornerback group, that's the best you can really hope for. I'm not too worried about Ruggs just yet. He's going to take a little bit to gel in that system, I believe. But Tyreek Hill, he's going to be a problem regardless. A couple things come to mind. They, they can bracket, like Chad said, they're going to have to double or bracket him over the top with Boye and a safety like Justin Simmons. Or I'm thinking if Callahan is healthy because he's the slot guy, he's the, the quick twitch guy, he's the speedy guy, he's going to play on him. He's going to press him on the line of scrimmage and then have Justin Simmons behind him. But it's it comes down to Vic Fangio scheming around Tyreek Hill. And like we always talk about, you're never going to shut down the Chiefs entirely. You're never going to hold Mahomes to a goose egg. You have to limit them and then make up the difference on the scoreboard with your own offense. Jeff Green jumping in with a interesting point here. He says 12 and four would be so awesome, but that's aggressive for such a young team. Might take time to learn the playbook and form chemistry. I'd love to get to 10 wins is what he's saying here. And I think it's very possible. You're right. There are some moving parts, a lot of new faces, a new scheme on the offensive side. It's going to take a little time to gel, but I do think going back to the way that last season ended, they were missing a lot of crucial players, and they still found a way because of how Locke was the tie that raised all ships to win four of their last five games, including demolishing the, the champions of the AFC South in their own house, and it wasn't even close. I mean, the Broncos whipped the Texans, so take encouragement from that. It's going to be fun to see how it resolves. Mike, jumping in with a $2 super. Thank, Thank you, Mike. Mike. Um, I'm pretty sure I know who you are on Twitter. We connected uh, yesterday. I, I did the math. I figured it out. So uh, we tagged you on the BTB uh, tweet after the fact. Appreciate that. He says, keep up the great work. Thank we you, will definitely do our best, my friend. Let's see what Dave has to say here. And Dave, another reminder, if you're on Twitter, reach out. Appreciate that $10 you, super. Dave. Been hearing fans in chat groups clamoring for us to bring in Cam Newton. My initial response is no. Your thoughts. What, Zach, is that motion? No. No. Just no. No. No way. On one hand, Zach, here's the thing. On one hand, something happens to Drew Locke. You got all this talent now on offense. 
Jeff Driscoll is your fail safe. He's the only thing keeping the Broncos from disaster if something happens to Locke. So on one hand, I can understand how it might be in the team's interest to go out and add a more proven backup, but I just don't think it's going to happen. And it sure as heck isn't going to be a, a former MVP like Cam Newton. It's just they're not going to muddy the water that way from Locke. I mean, first of all, if Locke goes down, the Broncos season's over regardless, Chad, no matter who the Broncos' backup quarterback is. Second of all, they have enough talent on offense in the in the running game and at receiver and tight end to win with Jeff Driscoll in a, in a fail-safe and in a pinch opportunity. I think they can get by, but no on Cam Newton. No freaking way on Cam Newton. All right, so Nick, <clears throat> excuse me, Nick is helping us to uh, translate. Let me go back to that super in the from Tracy, what Tracy asked us. Uh, why do the media keep trying to pimp these quarterbacks on us? What he's getting at, and I think he's right, is it seems like anytime a free agent, they try and connect Jameis Winston to Denver. They try and connect Cam Newton. Uh, the Heavy.com article trying to connect Aaron Rodgers if he really ends up being as disgruntled as everyone thinks he's going to be over the Jordan Love pick, et cetera, et cetera. Nick and uh, Tracy, here's the reason for it, though. What has Elway done since Peyton Manning hum- hung up his cleats? He's done nothing but, until Locke, try and band-aid this situation with a veteran stopgap, a fail-safe. Case Keenum didn't work out. Well, we can even go back farther than that. Mark Sanchez, disaster in in preseason. Turned the ball over left and right. Next up, it was Case Keenum. I wouldn't call it a disaster, but it was definitely a swing and a miss in terms of, you know, he started all 16 games. He was solid. But did he justify the $18 he made that year? Absolutely not. Joe Flacco, the trade, was a complete whiff. So that's why armchair kind of lazy national analysts quickly go, oh, Jameis Winston's a free agent, Denver. Oh, Cam Newton's a free agent, Denver. And it still surprises me, though, with how well Drew Locke showed in those final five games that people are still doing it. I mean, you can even go down Austin Davis, uh, Brock Osweiler, Paxton Lynch. I mean, the Broncos have tried to put these Band-Aids on these, as you say, Chad, bullet holes, and it hasn't worked out. They finally have their franchise quarterback. Why would they go to the well with a a guy who missed the entire season last year? He's not the same talent, Cam Newton, as he was in the Super Bowl, as he was the last decade. He's washed. And I wouldn't want him alone based on the way he, he types, Chad, based on the way he talks. Those hieroglyphics, it's really annoying. I want that far away from Denver. Amen to that. By the way, guys, I'm curious. On my side, the stream just froze Zach for a second. If you guys oh, saw no. that, let me know. I, I think everything's okay. I don't want to freak anyone out here. Um, but I'm just curious how that's going to come out in the in the watch. We want to make sure the stream stays steady. Again, I'm, I'm hard-lined into my router. So hopefully everything's okay here. Um, all right, let's grab here a simple comment. And thanks, James, for clarifying, helping to clarify Tracy. Uh, John saying lazy national media. That's true. That's that's all it you is. Know? I mean, God bless Sports Illustrated. Nothing but love for our colleagues in the corporate office there. But uh, you know, do better if you're going to drop the Broncos two spots from their sport from their post Super Bowl power ranking. You better have a bulletproof rationale. You can't give them an A grade on in the draft and then drop them two spots in the power rankings without having some kind of a significant justification. And there was none. Uh, Vinay here says Bleacher Report projects we go nine and seven as well. Don't focus on national rankings. Top 10 defense with at worst a 16th ranked offense will be a wild card team for sure, kind of like the Vikings in the NFC North. Zach, let them sleep. Let the national media continue to sleep on the Broncos. It does nothing but play into their hands. 
You want to talk about lazy, though. I mean, they you can connect Aaron Rodgers all you want based on his contract. He's untradeable, uncuttable, unretirable. He's not going to be moved from Green Bay for at least a couple of years or so. But like these these national media types, they take a cursory look over the Broncos roster. They see a fairly unproven guy in Drew Locke. Oh, let's give him Cam Newton. Oh. Let's give him Jameis Winston. It just it is lazy analysis. And you know what, Chad? Nine and seven is the floor. There is no reason why they can't go at least nine and seven after going seven and nine last year with Joe Flacco for eight games. Zach, do me a favor and jump your stream all the way down to the bottom and see what kind of answers you get back from this. Let me know, guys, right. if you guys are getting any kind of delay on Zach. I'm going to stay where I'm at so we don't miss any of the, the superstars. Um, but just check on that for me. James is saying here, NFL coaches wouldn't be as petty as I would be, maybe Adam Gase, LOL, but I would be printing these power rankings, hot takes, and analysis and be pinning it up everywhere yes. in the facilities. Amen, dude. Amen to that. And this time of year, they're probably, you know, they're not even in the building, but you can guarantee that a guy like Vic Fangio in his first team meeting when training camp kicks off, maybe not in OTAs, we'll see how that even takes shape, but in training camp, that first team meeting is going to have a presentation, he's going to have his projector up there. You're, you can it's a pretty safe wager to to assume that he's going to have something to that effect of some of the doubters and naysayers across the national landscape on the Broncos. T says, I'm not sure how Chad can give us a B minus and then say we're going to be seven points better. Right, here we go. <laughs> I don't know if I want to reopen this can of worms because it's just chasing tails, but guys, it's as simple as this. There were points in that draft that I would have preferred. I could think of three the Broncos would have zagged instead of zigged like they did, okay? But the players that they got, they're no, they're not chopped liver. They still got really good players, hence the B-plus from Zach and a B-minus from me. So seven, you know, maybe you could say that's being a little too optimistic based on where they finished last year, but I think it's definitely within the realm of the possible considering just the impact Jerry Judy and Lloyd Cushenberry are going to have on this offense, Zach. We're not giving them Fs. We're not saying it's the worst class of all time. This was a good draft class. It made the Broncos better, but we just adding three wide receivers to the room, adding another tight end, and adding a cornerback where they did, passing on a tackle. These are all debatable moves, and we are we are entitled to our opinions and to let things play out before we want to bump that grade up to an A to match most other people. Bonabies reminding everybody, hanging out in the in the room on YouTube, make sure you like this video. It is a... Easy, simple way to support the cause here. Uh, James is reporting Nikki Jabbala of The Athletic just tweeted, per Corey, Joel, Joel Corey, Garrett Bowles' fifth-year option salary would be just north of $11 million guaranteed for injury only. Uh, definitely think the Broncos enact Bowles' fifth-year option. I told you guys, I think it was on the last podcast, my bold prediction is that they end up picking up the fifth-year option and, and kind of surprising people. But at the same time, I'm not going to be surprised if they don't. But that's how I see it shaking out for now. Yeah, I could see it going both ways. Um, I just know that Elway wants to give him one more shot regardless to see what he can do before he admits another first-round pick failure, Chad. Kevin G jumping in. Appreciate you, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Make sure you reach out if you're on Twitter. $5 Super. What's up, guys? Besides Judy, who do you think draft or undrafted free agents, or maybe unrestricted is what he means actually there, could pull – nope. Nope, undrafted. Pull a Lindsay and make a Pro Bowl this year or next. So of the rookie class, 17 guys the Broncos are bringing in here, 10 picks, 10 draft picks, seven college free agents. Besides Judy, I would say uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, I think is a – you can 
not just pencil him in as the starter at center. You can Sharpie him in health willing. And I don't have any reason to doubt that he'll not be healthy, but health willing, I think he's a candidate. Um, aside from Judy, that's probably the only other guy that I would legitimately at this point have a, have possibly Pro Bowl trajectory as a rook. And, and that's why we give the class what we give it, Chad. That's why it's not a slam dunk A-plus to me because they don't have surefire Pro Bowl. There's no such thing anyway, but this this is why this class is all ceiling and kind of a lower floor than the previous two classes. Cushenberry should be a fringe Pro Bowler if he stays healthy his first season. Judy's going to be just an all-star throughout his career, but the cornerback was a, was a kind of a project. The tight end's kind of a project in terms of undrafted guys who can make the roster not necessarily pro bowl um coleman the safety basty the cornerback and uh the running back bellamy they can make the roster make some noise just like Lindsay did a couple years ago terry jumping in up in canada there with a five dollar super Thank appreciate you, you my friend proving that as always broncos country is not a geographic location it's a state of being hashtag broncos world you know we appreciate you my friend that means the world to us uh, Brian, I don't know why you miss us, man. We're, we're still podcasting four days a week. In fact, last week we did five podcasts when you count one of the, the Friday night draft stream in which we were on that first 45 minutes. So it's good to see you. Um, Dylan is saying, can't wait for Noah Fant this year. Yep. Great point because even though you got Albert O coming in to kind of push that competition, it'll be interesting to see how they utilize him as a rookie. But Noah Fant's my guy to – my candidate to take that kind of Cortland Sutton-esque leap in year two, Zach. I feel like everyone's kind of forgetting about him already, Chad. This was a first-round draft pick only a year ago, and everyone's talking about Sutton, and rightfully so, but Sutton, Judy, Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, Noah Fant really came on as the year wore on last year, and he has Pro Bowl upside as well in a Drew Locke-powered offense with Shermer calling the plays, the weapons they have. He's going to put up some monster stats, I think, in spurts this year, Chad. Yep, I agree. Machiavelli, the goat, jumping in. It's good to see you. It's been a while since we've seen you. Really appreciate that generous super chat, my friend. If you're on Twitter, reach out because I type your name out after every uh, super chat podcast that you're in, but I can't tag you because I don't know if you have a Twitter account. So reach out and let me know. Appreciate you, bro. He says, Broncos are heading in the right direction. Both Zach and I agree with that 100%. I'm excited for this season, and you two are the goats of Broncos coverage. Well, thank you, man. Appreciate that. We really Coming from the goat himself, that's high praise. That's right. That's right. Uh, Red John jumping in. Hey, if you're on Twitter, reach out. $5 super. Thank Appreciate you, you, my friend. Uh, he says here, I've enjoyed watching John Elway evolve and adapt as a GM. Do you feel he gets more heat than is deserved? What separates him from others is the ability to evolve. I'll, uh, I'll agree with you on one hand that he does show a propensity for being able to kind of stick his foot in the ground and pivot. When it's going, I mean, you saw him do it after Super Bowl 48. You're seeing him doing it again now. But no, I mean, when you have three consecutive losing seasons and four direct missed seasons after winning a Super Bowl, the the heat is going to be justified. Not all of it, not the extreme hot takes out there, but the pressure that he's feeling right now is justified. And if you can't handle the heat, you get out of the kitchen. Elway's not a guy that can't handle the heat. He can't handle the heat. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback. He'll be fine. 
Exactly. That's very well said, Chad. The only thing I'll, I'll add to that is I think Elway actually gets more of a, a leniency compared to other GMs because he's a Hall of Fame quarterback, because he's John Elway. And this happens especially in Denver where he pretty much owns the team there. But the quarterback decisions, his personnel decisions, his drafting before 2018, he is the GM. It all stops, starts and stops with him at his feet. He absolutely deserves the, the blame, but he also deserves the credit for turning the Broncos around, as we'll see this year. Robert says, do you guys think Cushenberry will be a week one starter and what impact will he have? I do think he'll be a week one starter. And I think you'll continue to see as far as impact, you know, you got a, a, a serious um, two-headed monster in that running back duo with Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. I think you're going to see that running game kind of take a, a step forward based on last year. It looked good at times in 2018. It regressed last year, unfortunately with, uh, Rich Scangarello is the OC. I think you'll see it take a, a step forward, and I think you'll see also a guy by the name of Drew Locke have a you know, pretty decent amount of time to throw. And here we go here, Zach, from uh, I said he <laughs> Say it together, guys. Albert's name is o- pronounced Oakway Boonham. Oakway Boonham. Oakway Boonham. Oakway Boonham. Oakway Boonham. Appreciate that, my friend. I'll repeat that in my mirror, just like Drew Locke recites plays. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, let's grab Jeff jumping in with a $5 super. Appreciate Thank you, bro. You, Yo, guys, who's in more trouble? Royce Freeman, if Levante Bellamy is legit, or Deshaun Hamilton due to the great wide receiver depth Ding, now. ding, 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 ding. Denver Broncos for life. I don't think – I think both of them end up making this roster, if I'm making a bold prediction now. But if I had to choose between one of those two – I'm probably going to choose Royce Freeman being the odd man out, even though he's mm. a higher draft pick. You know, he's a third round pick as opposed to Hamilton was a fourth round pick in the same class. But Levante Bellamy is legit. Like he's going to turn some heads, especially once you get to the preseason and he's carrying the lion's share, him and Royce Freeman and uh, Kalfani Muhammad, because they're going to arrest Gordon. They're going to arrest Lindsay. You're going to see that Bellamy is, is a legit player. And I think that's not necessarily going to translate well for Royce Freeman. Although, we can't completely write Freeman off. I mean, he was a very prolific player at Oregon. He's got pride. He's got a competitive spirit. It'll be interesting to see how he responds. To me, it has nothing to do with draft pedigree, Chad. The Broncos drafted three wide receivers. They drafted no running backs. So uh, they have to feel a little bit comfortable with Royce Freeman in the backfield. I just happen to think Deshaun Hamilton hasn't proven as much. The Broncos know what they have in Freeman. Yeah, he's a higher draft pick, but he is what he is. He's a bruiser. He's an early down back. He's pretty dependable in that role. Deshaun Hamilton, he's had drop problems. He's he's struggled to get on the field. The Broncos have just a glut of wide receivers right now. I'm not going to say he's gone. I'm not going to say he's a definite cut but he needs to step up and kind of outperform the young guys that are ahead of him on the depth chart right now. Mark jumping in saying that I was watching 104.3 The Fan Opinion on the draft in Bulls. I don't like Bulls, but they kept saying that he will get Locke killed. He doesn't get his QB killed. He just kills drives. Yeah, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, from the time Drew Locke entered the starting fray, week 13 on, Garrett Bowles surrendered one sack on Drew Locke. So, his point is is correct. How often have you seen Garrett Bowles just whiff completely and the quarterback gets crushed? It's it, I can't even think of one off the top of my head. It's the drive-killing penalties, and it seems like, and, and I think the Broncos are banking on this, that he started to turn the corner on that. And in, Mike Munchak is helping him to play with more poise and to play with more discipline. We can only hope that he begins this next season the way he ended last season. 
We were just talking about this chat before we went on on live. Uh, Mark Schlereth's comment about the Broncos draft. He was killing them for not taking a tackle, and he's kind of had an axe to grind against Garrett Bowles. So it's not surprising that that outlet itself is is critical of Bowles and the Broncos. And you know you can't really deny it based on Bowles' play. We're hopeful he can turn the corner and be just a reliable, consistent, average tackle. But some outlets and some people have their their opinions set in stone. Brett. Okay, good to know, my friend, and thank you for that donation again. I will find you after the podcast. Good to know. Thank you, thank my you, brother. Um, JL Avenger checking in from Costa Rica, from Paradise, as he is wont to say. He says, greetings from Costa Rica. Good to be back. The Covington um, signing is good to give depth to the defensive line. Do you think the Broncos go on free agency for a left tackle, or will they keep with the Bowles-Wilkinson decision? Based on the tea leaves and the tonality and what we're hearing from Elway, it sounds like they're going to let the chips fall between Bowles and Wilkinson at left tackle. Only time will tell. Maybe similar to cornerback like we were talking earlier in today's podcast, Zach. Maybe the Broncos wait till training camp rolls around and just kind of mm-hmm. see how it resolves with their own eyes and then make a decision on whether or not to use some of that $17 million or so in remaining cap space post-signing their draft picks to decide whether or not to add a veteran uh, mercenary. I could see that strategy being employed at cornerback, Chad, but tackle when you're so thin, when Elijah Wilkinson, who's so awful at tackle, is your primary backup for both guys who are unreliable. It's a bad situation to be in. I would be stunned if they don't acquire, trade, or sign a tackle before training camp or right as training camp starts. Jason Peter is still out there on the open market. Cordy Glenn, Calvin Beecham, who knows Mike Munchak from Pittsburgh. Cut Jeff Hireman, spend four or five million bucks, and give yourself some insurance behind Garrett Bowles and Juwan James. It's a no-brainer or move and it has to happen very nice glenn very nice my friend <laughs> and i really apologize guys if it is me freezing if this these bugs that i'm seeing on my side zach freezing if that's from me i don't know what else to do except call my my internet provider and say hey what's going on here maybe i can upgrade i don't know but i'm pr- plugged in directly wired into my router so i'll take a look at that because quality control is uh paramount to the huddle up podcast so Bear with us on that. Apologize for it not being a perfect stream. And let me jump up here to Johannes Boss. Did I pronounce that correctly? Johannes or Johannes? Appreciate that super. If you're on Twitter, reach out. Is there any word on us signing a veteran corner? No word other than Vic Fangio saying, Zach, that he's comfortable with where they're at right now. With cornerback, he wants to see the young guys step up. I mean, they didn't sign a Mukamara. He was on the market for almost two months, and they used a high round draft pick on Ojemudia. Am I pronouncing mm-hmm. that? Okay, you got it, bro. Yeah, I'm. I'm all good. So it says to me they don't want a Mukamara. I think a tackle is more likely on the open market than a cornerback right now. Evan jumping in with a five dollar super. Thank, Thank you, Evan. my friend. And Evan, you've been a longtime supporter of the show, longtime listener, and a superstar. Are you on Twitter? Because I don't. I can't think that I know your Twitter handle, so let me know if you are. Appreciate that super. Colin Cowherd only gave four teams an overall A grade for the entire offseason, draft included. What grade would you give the Broncos for the entire offseason? That's that's a good question. Um, man. Mine's easy. <laughs> Go ahead, Zach. I'm going to say A minus, a B plus for the draft and an A minus for free agency. I, I, Jarrell Casey and Boye alone, the, the fourth and seventh round picks, that's an A plus, but I didn't agree with the Driscoll signing. I didn't agree with the Melvin Gordon signing, at least the money they, they laid out for him. So A minus for free agency and a B plus for the draft, an A minus offseason. Great job by OA overall. 
I would say it's an A. It's it's you know in the A grade, you know A minus A something like that. Um, like Zach said again, it's interesting that we can say, for example, you know we didn't really love the Melvin Gordon. We got I guess some hate on the Melvin Gordon thing. We <laughs> some <laughs> we weren't uh, homering out on that. Nick Van Ann I didn't like so much. I mean I understand it, but with the collection of talent the Broncos already had, I kind of questioned that. But even still. The trades they made, getting Bouye for the for the fourth round pick and getting Casey for a seventh round pick, I mean they they knocked it out of the park. You worry a little bit about losing Wolf, you worry a little bit about losing Chris Harris, but overall and also getting Shelby Harris back for a song, a yeah, one year deal, but still, I mean, so it's it's an A, and I think overall when you combine the two, it, it being an A, man, that really is what the Broncos need. We talked about going into this offseason, Elway needing to one more time crushing off season to put the finishing yeah. touches on the rebuild. And I think the early returns would indicate that he did that. It was almost like we come to expect Elway having an A free agent period or an, an F draft or an F A draft and an F free agent period. But they had both this year, Chad. Elway did good in both. And he's building this team smartly from the ground up, from the inside out, and kind of supplementing the roster with veteran players. So A overall, very, very satisfied with the direction they took this year. Evan says, jumped back in again. Thanks, buddy. He says, Broncos, one of those teams. That's why I like him. Talking about Cowherd naming four teams with an overall A offseason. Yeah, I mean, Colin Cowherd is the one national voice, completely unbiased, so not counting like the Shannon Sharps of the world, the Terrell Davises of the world, but he's the one national voice that has been, he's high on what this team looks like with Drew Locke at the helm, so Interesting to hear that. One of four teams with an A offseason. I wonder what the other three teams were, though. Yeah, I'd be curious to know. I don't listen to Colin, so if you guys want to – Evan, if you want to listen on that, we'd be curious. All right, guys, we got time for a few more. Then we got to get out of here. And if we missed you tonight, circle back tomorrow because it is the Mile High Mailbag tomorrow night, and it will be no holds barred as many questions as we can get to. Even if we have to stay a little bit late, we're happy to do that. Um, all right, bear with me one second here. Nick wants to know, he says, Chad, remember a day or so before the draft, I asked for a shout out, including a Fres- hashtag Fresno State, and then we drafted a player from my hometown. Fresno, bro, it was cool. That's awesome. That is very cool, man. Happy for you. Um, Kenneth Booker, do you think they will have KJ Hamler play only receiver or will he be all over the field doing routes, jet sweeps, reverses yeah. like Eric Metcalf role, man, you must be about my age. If you remember what the Eric Metcalf role is, I think that initially you're going to see him used quite a bit as a gadget guy, not solely like Deontay Spencer's few snaps last year on offense was purely as a gadget guy, took one or two jet sweeps and a bunch of jet sweep fakes that, t- but you'll see Hamler actually get those touches, but he'll also run a lot of routes from the slot. Yeah, he reminds me of a super souped-up version of Tavon Austin or a little lesser version of Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson, excuse me. He's going to be regardless an explosive playmaker for Denver and what we've all wanted. He's everything we wanted Carlos Henderson to be, everything we wanted Isaiah McKenzie to be, and then some. Uh, If he can bring that speed to the Broncos' offense, if it translates from college, it's going to be dangerous. Jeff says, totally agree, Zach. I think drafting three wide receivers and grabbing two more uh, undrafted wide receivers means Hamilton is in trouble. It's definitely sending a message. Oh, Steven, I'm going to go back into YouTube right now and grab it, my brother. Don't you worry. Um, Bear with me one second here while we do that. 
they're all in trouble, though, some of the receivers. I mean, Winfrey, Tim Patrick, they're all going to have to battle it out this summer. There's going to be nothing given to them. There's going to be nothing handed, no roster spots, no starting jobs. They have to earn it all. So competition should breed a better overall uh, wide receiver unit. And by the way, Steve, you know that uh, I'm always appalled anytime the stream jumps super chat. And we appreciate you letting us know when that happens and uh, speaking up. So thank you. And here is what Stephen had to say. One of our superstars and MHH Mount Rushmore thank you, members of this community. What are your way too early roster projections? Uh, you know, that Stephen would have to, that's a conversation a right where we need to prepare an answer. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe that's something we can open the show with tomorrow night, like a way too early 53 53 man roster projection. I'm down for it. We'll do it tomorrow. Um, Promise you on that, Steve. Let's see here. Natisha saying, I think Deshaun Hamilton is being slept on. He was developing into a reliable receiver at the end of the season. It's worth noting to piggyback on that that he really seemed to have a strong connection with Locke those final five games. Everyone got better, though, with Locke in the, in the under center chat. Even Devontae Booker was making plays with Locke under center. So I, I want to see Deshaun Hamilton show that consistently if he makes the team before I'm on his bandwagon again. Alvin, jumping in, $20 wow, super. You, thank you, Alvin. You've been really consistent, and you've only been with us, from what I can gather, two, three weeks, and uh, your – Outpouring of support means a lot to us. It's made a big impression on us. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Alvin says, I hope KJ, AJH, what is AJH? KJ Hamler, maybe? Yes. Makes it to be a solid, dangerous human joystick. Yeah. You guys think back to now, I don't want to curse Hamler here, but what did they call Isaiah McKenzie, the human joystick? Uh, right? I was thinking Dante Hall. But between his, right, he was the original. Yeah. But between his struggles hauling in punts, right, he was the muff king that one year, was it 2017? <laughs> he had six muff punts, right, one year before they finally just benched him. Uh, and just kind of a lack of maturity, he didn't gel. Now, Hamler, I think between the years, he's one of those guys that represents kind of what the Broncos are looking for, maturity, uh, high football IQ, passionate, prioritizes football, all those things. So I think his his talent is we're going to be able to see it on the field. Hashtag Muff King, Chad. That's the next slogan we're going to put on a T-shirt soon. <laughs> but uh, Isaiah McKenzie's being used pretty well in Buffalo, though. He he went on to have a, a change of scenery there. He's being used as a running back, a scat back, a wide receiver. K.J. Hamler is a, a souped-up version of Isaiah McKenzie, so he's going to be better. I, Deshaun Hamler, I keep saying Deshaun. Deshaun Jackson is a closer right. comparison to Hamler than Isaiah McKenzie. Yeah, and for what it's worth, I know that uh, Jackson is a player that Hamler has modeled his game after. So it's no coincidence that that connection, that you're making that connection. Uh, Prank Films jumping in, $5 super. Appreciate you, my Thank friend. Thank you, Prank. And it's good that we were able to connect on Twitter, so I know exactly who you are. People don't understand this is going to be the first year we have actual competition at wide receiver and tight end with players who aren't injured and depth on offense. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. Regardless of anyone who, like myself, that was slightly critical of the Albert O pick in the fourth round or mystified by it, whatever, at least he's bringing that 4-2, uh, what is it, 4-5-9, 4-4-9 speed. 
uh, to the table at tight end, and you got Vanette. So two healthy, fresh bodies contributing to the banged-up guys like Hireman is almost always injured. Not necessarily on IR like Butt's been for three years, but guy that's banged up has a hard time staying healthy. Fumagalli redshirted his whole rookie year, but we need to say nothing more. AJ, uh, not AJ, Austin Fort missed all of last year. So that is an underrated aspect, Zach. You know, injured or not, healthy or not, they're all unproven, though. So they're going to have to prove Hamler, Albert O, Ojemuda, all these players on offense and defense, they can play at the next level. If they can, I'll eat the crow of the criticism I'm giving out. But it's true that competition should make the Broncos better overall because they're only going to keep the best players. And, uh, you know, one sword sharpens another, so to speak. JL Avenger, um, I'm not sure exactly what you're thinking, but if you want to reach out to us, milehighhuddle at Gmail. I don't know if you have your own podcast or something like that. Um, Zach and I would absolutely be open to doing whatever. We, we'll talk about it. So reach out, yeah. milehighhuddle at gmail.com. Uh, Steve, we will get yours tomorrow, I promise you. We'll, uh, we'll open the show with, a, with an early prediction. So count on that for sure. Uh, all right, one or two more we got to get going. Evan says, my Twitter is flooded with ex-girlfriend stuff, so – my advice, Evan, is create a new account, bro. Easy, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. All right, a couple more here. Uh, let's grab Zach. Zach, it was really cool to connect with you on Twitter, my friend. Appreciate that support. He says, just Thank to support you. my favorite podcast, Schumer or Shermer plus Shula plus Locke plus offense equals hashtag hot stuff. I agree, man. It's going to be really fun to see what how this takes shape, Zach. Hashtag a lot of points on the scoreboard in 2020. All one word. Amen to that. Nad Ludlow, you are so consistent. You've become one of our superstars, and uh, we really appreciate you as well, my friend. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you as always. Thank Make you, sure man. you, if you're on Twitter, though, Nad, we haven't been able to connect, so reach out and let me know who you are. Uh, Evan, again, jumping back in, the other three teams were the Tampa Bay Bucks getting an A offseason grade from uh, Colin Cowherd the Colts, and the Browns. Packers were the only team to get an F grade. Ouch. Interesting. I do like what the Colts did, though, in the draft. Chris Ballard, their GM, is just incredible through the draft. They got Phillip Rivers. They improved the defense. They improved the running game. They're going to make some noise this year, I think, Indy, in the AFC South. I don't know. Didn't they trade up for the Wisconsin running back in the first round, though? Taylor? Yeah. That's one move. I'm like, "Mm, I don't know, man. Take the pressure off Rivers? Yeah, I get I get why they would want the running back in the first round. Like my question is trading up for a Wisconsin running back. I mean, Melvin Gordon, I guess, kind of broke he he's been a a success story for Wisconsin, but I still have post traumatic stress from Monte Ball. (laughs) That's a good point. Um, all right. Two more, and then we do have to bid you a good evening, Broncos country. Um Adidas freak, two dollar super. Thank you, my friend. Good to see you. Hashtag Denver Broncos for life in Minnesota. There you go, guys. Hashtag state of being, baby. Adidas, reach out if you're on Twitter so that we can connect, my friend. All right, and here is the last one that we got to go for today. Alvin chipping in again and reminding also, support the cause organically by simply liking this video. That's a simple, easy way to support the show. And Alvin, thank you for your generosity. We appreciate you so much, my friend. Uh, Just one last check through. All right, guys. That's got to do it for tonight. 
We'll be back in the saddle tomorrow, so don't you worry with the Mile High Mailbag. If we missed you, we assure you we will do our best to get your questions tomorrow. Make sure you're following the podcast. Uh, well, let me do that one first. At Mile High Huddle on Twitter and the main account at Mile High Huddle. Steve, we will open tomorrow night's show with a pre-organized. We'll each submit, put together a 53-man roster projection. We'll grab yours to open the show. Then we'll open it up to the questions. We'll have to do that pretty rapid fire going through our 53-man projection and just get it out there because, of course, Thursday night, it's all about the mile-high mailbag. So we'll get that out early and often. When you get some time, guys, check out huddleuppod.com. Pick out a piece of swag that you like that fits your needs and, and your personal likes and whatnot. It's another way to support the cause. And um, make sure you're following my partner here, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at KelbermanNFL. Myself, at Chad and Jensen. So we'll be back tomorrow night, 6.15 Mountain, 8.15 Eastern. And until then, Zach, have a great night, my bro. I will see you tomorrow night, Chad. To piggyback off Stephen's question, though, I got some tweets today, too, about some questions for tonight's pod. Anyone who's watching, if, if you are the ones that send me those tweets, we will get to those questions tomorrow, the top of the show. We don't want to miss you guys. It's all inclusive here. So uh, those tweets that I got today, tomorrow's episode. A mile high salute to our Super Chat superstars tonight. You guys mean the world to us. And each and every one of you who took the time to join us tonight and contribute to the conversation in the chat stream, even if we didn't feature one of your questions or comments, you make an impact on this conversation one way or another, and we really appreciate it. That's and, right. of course, the hat tip to Buona Beast, the mayor of our Mile High Huddle YouTube community, keeping things moving in the chat stream. All right, guys, we got to get out of here for Zach. I'm Chad. We'll talk to you tomorrow night, 615 Mountain, 815 Eastern. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. 
tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.